Rushdoony Radio presents An Informed Faith The Position Papers of R.J. Rushdoony by Rush's John Rushdoony Narrated by Nathan F. Conkey Produced with permission by the Calcedon Foundation Chapter 31 The Use and Abuse of Worship and Prayer Calcedon Position Paper Number 127 November 1990 An historic distinction in law dealing with the responsibility of man for accidents is rapidly disappearing. Traditionally, the law has recognised two categories of catastrophe beyond the control of man. Quote, acts of God, end quote, defined as natural disasters, and quote, inevitable accidents, end quote, disruptions caused by other forces beyond the power of any human to foresee or overcome with ordinary prudence. The loss of these distinctions has been very obvious in some recent accidental oil spills. Men and corporations have been held to be criminally liable for accidental events. In one case, metal tanks opened up. The liability was not ascribed to the steel company or the tank builder, but to the oil company because it had more money. In any case, accidental events and acts of God are disappearing from law, being replaced by a belief that some man or company must be guilty in all such cases. This should not surprise us. If God is remote to us, or no longer believed in, then no acts of God are real to us anywhere. All we have are acts of men. This was one of the deadliest aspects of paganism, this belief in exclusive human responsibility. For this reason, for example, doctors in antiquity, in Greece and elsewhere, were usually slaves. If the patient died, the doctor died. There were remnants of this belief among the Indians in my missionary days. The peyote medicine men were adept at avoiding responsibility. When they saw that a patient was going to die, they took strong exception to any comment by a family member, got them into passionate argument, and then told them to take the patient to the white man's hospital if they did not trust him. The patient then died in the hospital, a POT medicine man was vindicated, and the white doctor had another black mark on his record. This paganism is reviving all around us. We see it with attitudes concerning oil spills, floods, medical practice, politics, and more. We also see it with respect to prayer. True prayer acknowledges the sovereignty and omnipotence of God. Its heart is, Thy will be done, Luke 22.42. It does not put confidence in nagging God, techniques in prayer, prayer change in large numbers imploring the Lord, but in God's grace and mercy. Prayer cannot be a substitute for obedience and action but must be their companion. When Joshua prayed earnestly after the defeat of Ai, God ordered him to get up and correct the evil in Israel. Joshua 7, 10 and 11. We must beware, in talking about, quote, the power of prayer, unquote, of this dangerous habit of transferring power from God to our praying. The efficacy of prayer rests not in praying, but in God. He can give us our request, or deny it, in his sovereign wisdom. 
the focus of prayer must always be on the acts of God, never on our act of praying, or how many we enlist in passionate prayer. To pray assuming that the power to gain, change or alter things depends on our prayer, or how we pray, and how many unite with us in prayer, is to transfer the centre from God to man. We then look not to the act of God, but to the acts of men. When men claim too much power, they also at the same time tend to deny their own responsibility. This should not surprise us. When Adam sought to be his own God, he at the same time denied his responsibility for his actions. Genesis 3, 4 following. Then, too, we overrate Satan. As Philip Wilson used to say, quote, The devil made me do it, end quote. We are sinful enough to sin on our own without any help from the devil. John Donne astutely wrote of our habit of, quote, tempting Satan to tempt us, end quote. One of the clear reasons for the powerlessness of many churches and believers comes from this habit of overrating what prayer, man and the church can do and underrating God. One of the blasphemous things common in some circles is what amounts to bragging about how God answers their prayers, as though it is their merit or their prayer know-how that brought the answers rather than the grace and mercy of God. In some communities, special prayer groups are regarded as super pipelines to God. To get results, call their number. This is painfully sad. Quote, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. End quote. Psalm 34, 18. These qualifications we can all meet and be near to God. But men love their forms, their pipelines, their way of access. Their way of access means, they believe, power with God. This is true of worship as well as prayer. I recall some years ago the strong disagreement in some areas between old German Reformed churches and those of Dutch origin. The Germans, who came early to the Western States, lived on isolated farms where roads were few. Going to church was a major trek, and hence services were held once each Sunday. The Dutch, coming later to better roads, worshipped twice each Lord's Day, and each found fault with the other. In the South, one Baptist group of churches deep in the woods in early America came together once a month for a day of worship, and they still maintain this custom, with family worship at home the other Sundays. Many like examples can be cited of variations in worship in forms of worship, times, numbers of services, etc. Too many churches attach efficacy to their form rather than to the Lord they worship. Quote, Our, end quote, form becomes a means of clobbering others. And loyalty to forms remains when doctrine and faith are eroded. I can still remember the righteous indignation of a woman about 37 years ago on being invited by a neighbour to a Presbyterian church. She made it very, very clear that she had no use for Christianity, for preachers and priests, for churches, quote, a racket, end quote, and for church people, quote, quote, besides, end quote. She added in conclusion, quote, I'm an Episcopalian, 
End quote. Neither worship nor prayer can command God. They are, rather, our necessary response to his salvation and his continuing grace and mercy, because God, quote, is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands, end quote. It follows that, quote, to him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service or obedience he is pleased to require of them, end quote. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2.2. Angels, who need nothing, still worship God, Revelation 5.12-14. The essence of true worship is seen in the first commandments, quote, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, end quote, Exodus 23. Least of all, can we make ourselves those, quote, other gods, end quote. Quote, prayer is to be made for things lawful, end quote, and can be made in any place and at any time where it is done, quote, in spirit and in truth, end quote. Prayer, with thanksgiving, being one special part of religious worship, is by God required of all men. Philippians 4.6, Colossians 4.2, 1 Timothy 2.1 And that it may be accepted is to be made in the name of the Son, John 14, 13 and 14, 1 Peter 2, 5, by the help of the Spirit, Romans 8, 26, Ephesians 6, 18, according to his will, 1 John 5, 14, with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love and perseverance, Genesis 18, 27, Psalm 47, 7, Ephesians 6, 18, Hebrews 12, 28, James 5, 16, etc. And, if vocal, in a known tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. So declares the Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter 21. Worship and prayer must be both God-centred. To shift the focus to man and his forms is to stress the acts of man rather than the acts of God. Now, in sound law, as in good theology, there is emphatically a place for both the acts of God and the acts of men. We cannot eliminate either one. We are responsible creatures. The acts of man are important in God's sight. Adam's act in revolting against God has continuing effects all around us. Our problem today is that God's sovereignty and priority are overlooked in all spheres, beginning with worship and prayer. The forms of our worship and prayer are important and valid only if their focus is God-centred and only if they are faithful to his requirements as established in his law word. Nothing we are or do or establish can be the norm or the centre. The power centre is not man, not our prayers, not our churches, although God can and does use all these things and more. The prophet Amos reminded Israel that, however much he had used them, they were no different in his eyes than the Ethiopians, the Philistines, and the Syrians. Amos 9.7 And he could tomorrow use any one of them. He can tomorrow set us and our nations aside for a people we do not know. We cannot control God. He controls us. 
we dare not, therefore, be arrogant in prayer or worship. Well done for listening all the way to the end. This is Nathan, the narrator, speaking to you from Puebla, Mexico, from the Faith for All of Life school in which I teach English as a volunteer. I teach from kinder through high school. Now, I rely on donations in order to keep teaching and recording, so if you want to support a Faith for All of Life school in Latin America and want to keep listening to Rush Dooney while you vacuum, drive or cook, commute or whatever you're doing right now, donate at cten.org forward slash Nathan Conkey. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-N-K-E-Y, all lowercase. Or if you prefer PayPal, paypal.me forward slash capital N Nathan capital C Conkey. You can also email me at nfconkey, that's nfconkey at gmail.com. Thanks, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon.